Hey guys, welcome back to It Came to Mind with your host Lulu and the lovely Ria. Well, welcome back. Thank you so much for coming back because there was so much that we didn't get to cover. I know. Um, I.e. like the whole premise of you coming on the show in the first place <laughs> yeah. was to talk about boundaries and we didn't get that. Um, you know, I'll let you recap. Give me, give me the bullet points. So you grew up in Hong Kong. You went to school in the US. Um, Correct. Yeah. School, like basic school here. University in the U.S., uh, shitstorm happened where everything that I'd been already growing up here combined with everything that happened in the U.S., including a sexual assault and anorexia, um, led me to then go into treatment, find out who I really was slowly, which sounds so cliche. It's not easy, obviously, but but I was kind of like, look, I, I have to I have to do what I want. I can't focus on what everyone else wants and what everyone else expects I have to do me because it's killed me mm-hmm. so far. So to not do that. So I think that's pretty much where we left off. It was like the lessons I was learning yeah. coming out of it. It was. And see, the last thing that you mentioned was actually um, a takeaway from your grandmother. Yes. About Vedanta. Yes. Vedanta. Yes, did, yes, I, yes. did I say that right? Vedanta, yeah. Um, Vedanta. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So um, Which is a Hindu, which is a Hindu, can you... It's um, a Hindu philosophy, a mm-hmm. spiritual philosophy. It's ancient. It comes from the Vedas, this, those ancient scriptures. And the way that I understand it most simply is we are body, mind, intellect. That's our presence in the physical world. But that none of that is, um, is permanent. We're here. We have, a, we have a purpose. But the, the thing that's brought us here is our soul our spirit this energy that we all share it's carried throughout all of us and our body is the physical vehicle that enables us to do what we need to do our mind is is our emotions our intellect is our ability to tell you know right from wrong and uh it's the highest of the three the intellect is the highest of the three. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're like listening to something, it's probably like best to go with your intellect than your mind, than your body. Kind of like bodies associated with like primal mm. and animal instinct. Emo- um, mind is emotion, so you're, hmm. you're not being super. Um, what's the word? Rational. Mm. Uh, your, your intellect is the rational. Got basically. it. I think <laughs> what our aim is to find balance within the three. Mm. So that they all kind of work in harmony and ultimately get us to this higher place of, of, well, enlightenment. I hate using all these buzzwords that don't mean anything unless we have a specific meaning tied to what you've gone through. But Mm. but for me, enlightenment is just basically getting to some sense of being good with myself, being happy with myself because I'm being authentic, being who I am. I'm achieving my true purpose in the world, my soul's purpose, without giving a shit what anyone else thinks. That's my kind of real-life enlightenment meaning. Because if I take it too extreme, then it's going to get into, like, not fearing death, not wanting, like, detaching from relationships. I have all of those in my life right now, and I'm very happy. And so I want it to mean what it means for me and my happiness rather than take it to an extreme that would actually probably be unhealthy for me. Yeah, do you feel that that's, um, I know we're going a bit deep here. Well, no, I think I do completely understand why detachment is 
is the premise of all these kind of spiritual teachings that if you've gone to any kind of spiritual class or read a book, like it's probably the first word you'll read. Um, I was a very, very attached being as a teenager. The things that Hmm. I would get upset about, the things that would knock me off my... My stability, I just emotionally, I let everything get to me. I took everything personally. And I think detachment from just a human standpoint, it's a total effective coping mechanism for, for not letting yourself get swayed by stupid little things that I definitely did. Can you give some examples of the things you feel back then you were attached to? Oh, yeah. Like if a friend didn't respond to a message I sent Mm. or a picture I posted and I didn't get a comment or something just as simple and stupid as that. Trivial. Yeah. I would be like, oh, my God, she's mad at me. What did I do? And I would spiral into oh my God, I did something wrong. I have to make it up. I have to call her. I have to do this. I have to do this. I'm like, I did something wrong. Do you know what I'm hearing though there? Like it's about I. Yeah. So while in treatment and this treatment was actually the first place I also, I remember one of the therapists talking about this, this element of like, we're thinking so much about ourselves. It was more about us in treatment, worrying about our bodies Mm. and going out into the world and being like oh my god everyone knows you know everyone's looking at me everyone's this and this Mm. was a concern for a lot of the women there because we were going through a massive body change from what our bodies looked like as we were getting fed up to what was a healthy weight Mm. we were very concerned about about the the rest of the world looking at us and knowing um and i totally know what you mean yeah i totally know what you mean i remember one of the therapists going you know People have other shit going on in their lives. They're not all focused on you. It really was such a tough love, but excellent thing to say for all of us because it's true. I mean, no one out there knows what we're going through. If we're in the grocery store, if we're at a coffee shop, Mm. we are holding all of this baggage about us. Only we know what we're going through. No one else is going to look or say something on purpose to actually get at us you and know what kind of thing were you maybe scared of like what what stuff what was going through your mind when your body was going through these changes like what was <sighs> okay well in the first week of my treatments so obviously I'm at my most emaciated point still mm-hmm. and we had a field trip every Sunday we would take a field trip together the treatment women um to get us out and do something and it was a risk because we're all in different points of our recovery and we're going out into the quote-unquote real world Mm. where we're not confined by these protective walls where everyone knows what's going on and what not to say and what not to watch and what not to read and you're just you're out there with all these triggers awaiting you right Mm. it was me and a couple of girls walking past a car in a parking lot and this man an old man looks out of his window and yells out hey girls why don't you eat something the first (laughs) Goodness. This was actually not even the first week. It was like the second day oh, wow. of my treatment. And wow. I burst into tears. And one of the staff talked to the man. I don't know what she said. But the three of us were just like holding each other and crying because it was such a pointed comment. I mean, he probably didn't know. He absolutely right? didn't. He didn't know. That's a, that's a thing. But He's the thing was that what if you know, what if someone says something or, or says the opposite of, like, go on a diet or, or just, like, the opposite because yeah, right. you are holding all of this so, so close to your heart at that moment. It's, it's feels, you feel exposed. Mm. So, um, anyway, that comment that therapist made was 
extremely fitting and I have carried that throughout my life because I think I did take a lot of things personally and just set that in of like it's not about you anyway it's actually not about you Mm. uh if someone makes a comment at you it's probably about themselves and to flip that I'm reading this amazing book right now the dark side of the light chasers okay it's about how all of us have darkness in us that we've put into our shadow but those dark aspects of us that we have conditioned been conditioned to not acknowledge or not want to be part of ourselves whether it's like oh I'm greedy or oh I'm I'm stingy or I'm annoying like these things that we think about ourselves our truth our path to becoming whole and feeling whole is accepting those qualities and the way to accept those qualities is actually recognizing them in others right because there's this whole thing of like we don't know what we look like to other people mirrors for us are other people either way this element of we have a soul we are whole that was taught to me in treatment Mm. in in the west you know i was in the u.s uh whether whether the person teaching me this you know read eastern philosophy or what it was i don't know where it came from but then i go to my grandmother who's in india she's 80 and very wise i mean she's just so wise so philosophical and um she heard and read about what i went through in my words but my words were very objective scientific this is why this happened to me she'd heard and read about as in i gave her my articles to read Hmm. and then i also went and spent some time with her and was talking to her about it and she was like are you close with her i got close to her through this Got it. I oh, wouldn't say we had such a close relationship before, but mm. because of what she opened up to me, now it's just formed this bond between us and she's the source of so much knowledge and so much of my knowledge and I just want to retain it and share it because I think it's amazing. But she basically, the way that I do in my art, I, I read words and I visually translate them. Mm. She read my words, which were very scientific and objective and just being like, oh, this is why this happened to me because I read this article and this article. Mm. She was like, she spiritually translated it, I want to say. And she was like, this is ego and this is this and this is your soul and this is your Atman is soul in Sanskrit. And this, Mm. I was blown away, not only because it made perfect sense, but because it completely linked back to what I'd learned in in treatment, Mm. in other words. And I took this and my art became all about the soul and authentic self and who we really are. And I feel like it has grown as I have grown. I'm not by it in being, any means. It being your art. It being my art. And, and I think it's hand in hand where I read, I learn, I, I draw, I paint. It feeds back. It's like this whole web of who I am. It's hard to untangle one from the other at this point. It's a dialogue. I feel like art... You know, when you create art, like it is a dialogue. It's a dialogue between, sure, what you pro- what you ingest or like process from yeah. the outside world, and or what you ingest in the outside world, how you process that, and what you produce. You spit it back you know, out. Yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And full disclaimer: I'm still figuring it all out. We all we all are. I don't think anyone has it figured out. But every day is a some new kind of inspiration and new idea comes along. How have you been coping? How have you been like? What are some of the learnings that you've come across? I think it's uh, 
Well, firstly, reflecting in, I'm very aware of this annoying, naggy voice in me that's like, you need to be more productive, you need to be doing more, you need to use this time wisely. Just because people are doing home quarantine doesn't mean they're not working, so you need to keep working, you need to be doing something productive. And my Do we have the same voice? Do we have the same voice in our head? (laughs) Fucking annoying voice. Can you get rid of it? Um, and, and it was a lot stronger, obviously, when I was sick. And mm-hmm. that was the same voice. Mm, so it's just okay. become a lot smaller. But it's still a little tiny mouse voice that's there and annoying as fuck. And, um, but you're aware of that voice and you know what it is. Yeah. But you know, and I think that's like a so huge step forward. So I don't act forward. on it anymore, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, okay. I will deliberately be as unproductive as I can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. During treatment, my homework, my work that was given to me was to not do anything. Oh. And it was the hardest oh. thing in the world to sit there. I wasn't allowed to read anything related to treatment. I wasn't hmm. allowed to work on my, like, therapy exercises. I could only, like, paint my nails, read something for fun, sleep. Mm. Or like straighten my hair, I, or not even straighten my hair. Sorry, because I didn't have access to my hair straightener. But I just like <laughs> you're like if I did have access to my hair straightener, I would have been straightening my yeah, hair. I had, I had, no, I, I was so miserable. It was just eating away at me. Now I'm, I'm reading books. I'm slowly working on projects, but I'm by no means setting myself a deadline because I think now that my spiritual brain is alive and it wasn't then um this is a time this is a time for all of us to kind of sit with ourselves and reflect and be okay with the uncertainty be okay with the unknown be okay with not going outside be okay with with FOMO if plans don't get cancelled at least you're the one not going you know Mm. and you've you're being okay knowing that you're doing the right thing by society but also maybe for yourself keeping yourself safe and how are you in your own company? So I, I, I live with my boyfriend and he's been home, which is crazy timing because the restaurant industry has obviously not shut down unless the restaurant itself has shut down. Right. And he's been on, on a break for the past week and will be for one more week. So we've been home together and he's chilling and he's good at chilling. <laughs> he can play Mario Kart or like COD on his iPad or I kind of or I feel like I, like I envy people who can do that. Or like like wash his pans or oil them (laughs) or whatever. He tends to these pans like they are babies. I'm sorry he oils his... What? I don't know. Please tell me. Is this this like a secret thing that I need to know? What kind of treatment is this for trap? What what material is it that he's... I don't, I like you're not asking the right person. I don't know. Like, I don't know by if by doing these pans, then they like become non-stick. Oh, pans! I thought you meant pants. Oh, sorry. Oh, pans, pans. pans. He's a chef, right? So kitchen God, pans. I was. Oh, yeah, pans. Yeah. Sorry, totally, sorry, totally sorry. Mishead, I also <laughs> didn't. No, I was like, that's why. That's why I was like, I love doing laundry. Tell me about oh, these pants. Oh <laughs> no, I. Uh, oh, pans. Yes. that's right. I'd also love to know how to wash pans properly too. Um, I know not to put them in the dishwasher. I'll, I'll put you in touch. We don't have a dishwasher. I'm the dishwasher, uh, which is great when you have everything oily. Um, <laughs> I think we're losing our You're listeners like, thanks, at this point. But no, 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 no. Guys, hey, no, stay with us. Stay with us. We'll get right back onto Vedanta in just a second. But how to wash pans is like... <laughs> is like top priority right now especially in the time of corona (laughs) yeah with reading so Mm. um 
my friends might kill me because we have decided this is going to be a secret club, but I have a newly formed book club Ooh. where we all read our own books. So it's not your classic book club of like you read the same book. Um, yeah, the same book and talk about it because I think we all realize we have different tastes and that mm. we could use that to our advantage. And I highly recommend this to groups of friends, peers. Maybe you don't even know each other that well, but you feel like they all read and mm. you could benefit from sharing your thoughts because we meet once a month. Mm. Uh, we talk about the books we've all read in that month and it's become more like a sharing library, Ooh. Uh, which is awesome, awesome, awesome. I think it's just like the best social kind of gathering thing you could do really because you get into great conversations like the mm -hmm. ones we have. And uh, everyone is coming from a different place and mm -hmm. different interests. And I... Um, I guess in this line of me being everything I need to do has a purpose and be productive and work towards my work and, work, you know, mm. I read nonfiction. Mm. A lot of it falls into the spirituality or self-help or psychology categories. And for the first time in a long time, I borrowed from a friend a fiction book. Ooh, which I'm, and how is that experience? I haven't started it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've still been reading The Dark Side of the Light Chasers, but I'm going to finish that soon and start my fiction book, which is um, The God of Small Things, which... I've only heard good things. I've been wanting to read it actually since treatment when someone recommended it to me then. Hmm. So it's only taken me four years to get a copy. Do you know, that's okay. I think everything falls into place at yeah, the right time. I so this is, this is the time. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so reading. Reading's been a big one during this uh, age of corona stuff. But yeah, so grandmother, wealth of knowledge, you know, she inspired you to, you know, delve into a more spiritual approach perhaps to your art and your work and kind of go down that path. Correct. Um, and uh, I guess around the same time, I um, I don't remember if we covered this in the last time, I'll just say it again and we can figure it out later. Uh, around the same time that year, which was 2016, I um, read this dim statement by a one anonymous Emily Doe. It was the Stanford uh, rape case, which, I mean, the statement itself went viral uh the case went viral she wrote um, a book that book is amazing every human in the world needs to read know my name by chanel miller um but before i even knew her name or about this book or anything which just came out recently uh 2016 i read this statement and it was the first time i acknowledged what had happened to me in mm. all seriousness, even though I talked about it with mm. countless therapists and I thought about it, I had denied it every single time and just thought it was nothing uh, because I didn't think it was valid. I didn't think it was validated until I read Chanel's statement and what happened to her and realized there were a lot of similarities with what had happened to me and if I could have empathy for her, then I could have empathy for me and, and understanding that it was not something that I caused and brought on to myself and that it was something bad. Firstly, I was, you know, going around in circles thinking it wasn't bad. Probably everyone goes through this when they have a one night stand with someone and they're drunk. Like I made all kinds of excuses and assumptions and assumptions and just, yeah. So I guess this was a big moment of, of realization and with the spiritual stuff, with the, this 
coming to terms with the sexual assault. And um, then I was obviously also going to therapy here and a big topic was boundaries. And I learned about external boundaries and internal boundaries. And what are some of those? What is an external boundary versus an internal boundary? Sure. So external would be things like, or the way I understand it, I might be remembering it wrong, but uh, your personal space. Uh, Mm. allowing someone to even touch you or well if you're assaulted your external boundaries are are broken you Mm. know Uh, and then internally it's more to do with emotions so uh, letting someone cross or if you don't have boundaries in place allowing someone into your space where it'll affect your emotions Uh, if you have boundaries in place you're able to say I'm sorry I don't think you have the right to say that to me or, or mm. you're, you're protecting yourself. In all ways, boundaries are protecting you. So mm. if it's someone you don't want to touch you and you say no and uh, that's not right and I'm, I'm leaving, I'm getting out of here and you're, you're putting your boundaries into place or if it's someone being maybe emotionally manipulative and um, I think it also, you can be so unaware of not having boundaries in place. I think uh, people who feel like they've been a doormat, I know that I was a doormat for a very long time of just letting people walk all over me and that is straight up not having emotional boundaries in place because you're not putting yourself first and I think it happens with a lot of people pleasers, a lot of people with low self-esteem who want to make other people happy to make themselves feel better about themselves. Um falls back into the whole external validation. I need my worth to be created by what other people, how other people value me. And uh, Which is really hard when you're just constantly being stomped all over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's something, there's things that have happened when you're probably too young to even remember. Or maybe if you really look back and look in, you can remember. But to make you that way because that's what you felt you needed to do for yourself and there's no judgment or shame or regret about it it's just some things happened and they made you feel that that was what you needed to do to cope to protect yourself to live in this world and then when it stops serving you or if you realize it's it's not serving you um properly then you have to kind of look at that and and put those boundaries in place and how did you like, how did you learn what those boundaries were? For, or how did you learn to build those boundaries for yourself it, after that? It wasn't easy because therapy also involved bringing my parents in and okay. uh, talking about the things that um, had happened in my childhood to maybe make me conditioned to be a people pleaser, to put others first. And the things that we... So this is essentially like family therapy. It was. It was. um they say that, you know, a person with an eating disorder, it's actually a family then with a with an eating disorder. There's something that's gone on in the life of that person to to create this. Um, and so you, I, I understand that because it's an image thing, you know. It's a, and when I say image, it's not just surface. Yeah. But like it's it's how you navigate through the world it's not like it's how yeah yeah maybe I'm not I'm not articulating that but I very well but I think well okay so what we I don't and the thing is that I can't generalize for everyone and everyone has a different story everyone has a different experience the only thing that 
I can share is my own. What happened with with us, firstly, I found it very difficult because I did not feel comfortable blaming my parents, which is what it seemed to me like therapy was trying to do, except it in the end wasn't. It was coming to just understanding, Mm. accepting, and moving on. But I had a hard time as as an Indian daughter, Asian culture, you're supposed to only have respect for your parents and your elders. They can do nothing wrong. They know the right thing. That's the mentality. Um, And this is kind of pointing out where they did go wrong. Mm. But I think what it's really good is that it humanizes everyone and it gives you empathy and it's like no one knows what they're doing right like no parent knows how to parent perfectly of course not there's no way to know and um Mm. everyone's trying their best and that's all they can do and so once i understood that it became easier to understand what therapy was trying to do and basically my mom she was diagnosed with ms multiple sclerosis when i was two Mm. and i think she like had it for a bit before that, but they didn't know what it was. Um, that's a big shock to not only only her, but but my dad. And uh, on top of that, then when I was 10, um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then it went away. And then it came back again five years later. So she, she had a lot going on mm. while I was a kid. And um, implicitly, and sometimes explicitly, I took in the message of, you know, don't cause any issues because you cannot let your mom go through any more stress. Mm. It'll affect her health. It'll be bad. And that becomes internalized. At such a young age, you forget, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. Mm. I just became a good girl. I just became someone that didn't want to rock the boat, Mm. keep the peace. Uh, didn't want to upset anyone because I knew enough was going on. Um, And that's probably the first way you learn to put others before you but then I did it with my friends I did it with everything so that was maybe so from the family it just kind of expanded exactly. out into the exactly uh it, it comes to the point of like other people's issues are way more important than mine mm. like my issues aren't important I don't need to talk about them I don't need to acknowledge them because other people have way more going on than I do mm. uh just feel guilty if you um if you rock the boat. Kind of <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that was what we identified. And yeah, the setting of boundaries was was acknowledging, I think, just because that's going on with them doesn't mean my issues in my life and my struggles aren't important. And if something gets in the way of that, you have to assert your boundaries and say, I'm sorry. I know you have that going on, but but I'm I'm important too. I'm saying if it's coming too close to actually causing you emotional or or otherwise harm. Mm. Um, I just think of a better example. No, I think that's a I think that's a perfect example. You okay. know, if there is something that somebody does, or be it physical or emotional, mm. you know, I think that yeah bearing in mind that you are also important yes in in this situation um and yeah if somebody gets a little too close or something is a little too close to the bone it's totally okay to say hey you know what yeah i don't that's owe anyone anything basically which is how you feel when when you feel guilty when you feel responsible for other people's feelings i think that that also to circle back to this detachment thing Mm -hmm. um 
I think that's also like it's it is really important to be detached to some level and or to be able to see things as objectively as you can and you know and not take things personally just know what it is you know know what your triggers are um or identify what those triggers are for you um and and yeah kind of just respect your own boundaries I think too yeah but Rhea where are you today with those boundaries and if there is anything that you can offer you know offer young women or men you know in fact anyone yeah um who may also feel like at some point they might be a doormat what advice um in hindsight Mm. um can you offer them having been through the journey that you have well okay first part is where am I today uh I think I'm in a good place I'm not saying I am great with the boundaries I think the area I still struggle is uh when it comes to work Mm. and uh payment Mm. so as a young emerging artist there are jobs that come your way and they sound like great opportunities maybe they are great opportunities but sometimes in this world people don't feel like art is something they need to pay for Hmm. or pay a lot for never mind that it's it's as tough a job as any other and uh, it requires... I, I put my heart and soul into thinking of designs for the client and doing it to the best of my ability. And uh, I've been asked, you know, can you give us a discount? Or I've received contracts with, like, no payment for huge multinational companies. And I think it's through these that I'm learning to assert my professional boundaries. And it's uh, an element of knowing the value of my work. I think now I know the value of myself. So when it comes to friendships, relationships, if something crosses my boundaries, I'm, mm. I'm pretty good at saying something uh, in a nice way. Mm. I don't get angry. I don't yell. or I usually sit down and write like a two-page Word document <laughs> if something's bothering me. <laughs> I love you. And sometimes I will I l- send that two-page Word document if I need mm. to. Uh, it's just I think that's fantastic. Everything. Fantastic. But to be concise is, is a, a skill that I have yet to maybe master. But anyway. <laughs> um, next challenge. If the next time something bothers you, keep it to one page. Yeah, keeping it to <laughs> one page and then maybe a paragraph. Um, and then we'll get to the one-liner. <laughs> well, well, so I guess that, that gets into advice because if it is emotional, then... Um, well, the first step is recognizing your worth. Mm. Recognizing that you are being stepped over. Mm. The second thing is if you if you realize that you are, um, I I would say write it out. You know, don't let it all because what what used to happen to me before I learned about writing it up in, in cathartic ways. I think I I'd blow up all in one go, right? And end the friendship or end the relationship or end whatever it was, end the job. Um, My classic is. I'm just going to walk away. Yeah. I'm just going to I'm just going to go very very cold and nobody's going to understand what's going on and exactly. I'm just going to and I'm just going to walk like away. Ghost them. Yeah. 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 Essentially yeah. or mm-hmm. or get really mad and then and then go I don't know. But <laughs> but now it now it's it's a lot more thought given to it to make sure that I'm not only protecting myself but also kind of imparting some kind of lesson. Mm. you know, or just breaking it down very clearly. Maybe they need it. They need mm. to, to learn. Uh, I like to think that everything I do isn't only a learning lesson for me, but also hopefully for someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then if it gets into career stuff, well, I am still very much navigating this, but I think I, I've gotten good advice from unofficial mentors in my life who you know, are slightly older women or men and uh, say, just, just say it like this, you know? People actually will, will respect you when you respect yourself, and that's a lesson... Across the board. Yeah, across Mm -hmm. the board, exactly. And they will realize that when you know your value, they need to know your value. Mm -hmm. And so you just have to fucking tell them what you're worth and what your time is worth. And uh, uh, it's an everyday struggle of me being like, oh, am I charging too little? Am I charging too much? What if they don't think it's worth it? If they don't think it's worth it, they'll tell you and, and you can move on. But it's about you knowing what you're worth and what you deserve at the end of the day, in treatment from colleagues, from friends, from your parents, from family. Um, I think where I struggle also is in this Asian culture, which you might relate to, is this, you owe your family and older people respect no matter how they are. Mm. They're, they're, it's a filial like piety thing. Of, you know, they're, they're older, uh, treat them with respect, but why I struggle is if I'm not being treated with respect back. I don't really I don't really care. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to snap, but I will make it clear to myself that they're not worth the time. I don't want to have anything toxic in my life anymore. I think those are some fantastic parting little gifts. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ria. So to recap that, um, you know, beware of toxicity in your life. You don't need it. Yes. Um, know your worth. Yes. Know your worth. And, you know, keep the respect. And that's respect for your elders. And that's especially respect for yourself. Yes. Um, both personal and with, you know, with work and being professional. Exactly. Um, amazing. Thank you so much for those parting gifts. Thank you. Lily. I appreciate that. Um, and I'm sure our listeners and um, I am truly, truly grateful. I'm grateful too, to have been here and to now complete the <laughs> Yay. <whole> circle. <laughs> Yay. It's all Vedanta. <laughs> I think, I think that's how, I'm not sure how that, that goes. The circle of life. There we go. We'll, we'll go. we'll go. Yes. There you go. We'll go <laughs> on this one. Um, thank you so much, Ria. Thank you. Such Lily. a delight. Hey guys, thanks again so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed that, go ahead and share the episode and definitely tune into the next one. Also, once again, big love and thanks to Jed Thien for producing the show, Interception Management for the recording studio, and Dynamo Pictures for the edit. I'd love to hear from you, so if you have anything to share, feel free to email me at itcametomindpodcast at gmail.com or DM me via Instagram at ictm underscore podcast. And as always, words are great, but I love a good voice memo. So send away and I look forward to having you join us on the next one.